WGNS, Murfreesboro. Do you feel politically homeless, lost in the chaos of modern politics, not sure who to believe? Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am stuck in the middle with you. Democrats call him a Republican. Republicans call him a socialist. He is Stephen Reynolds, the man in the middle. Welcome to the Man in the Middle podcast, season two. I'm Stephen Reynolds, your host, recording today from the historic WGNS studios located in the heart of the great volunteer state, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Well, folks, thanks for joining us again. It is August the 18th. Uh, The Democratic National Convention just started yesterday. The Republican National Convention will be starting in a couple of weeks, and uh, it's been really interesting. We're celebrating our one-year anniversary here at the Man in the Middle podcast as well. I'd like to say thanks to WGNS Radio and my producer, Dalton Barrett, who've, uh, well, we've made it for about 45 episodes now, uh, which has been really good, and um, we've been doing a lot of talk about voting, voter registrations, and obviously this is a political-oriented show. So joining me today is my guest, Mr. Steve Daugherty. Say it for me right, Steve. Make sure I say it right. That's close enough, Daugherty. Okay, Steve Daugherty is joining me today. Steve is a former uh, veteran, and he is running a registration, a voter registration drive all over Middle Tennessee. That's how we ran into each other. Steve, welcome to the Man in the Middle podcast. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for coming. Well, I know you're very active doing this, and we've had a couple of really good conversations, Steve, so I'm glad that you were able to join us today. But first off, welcome to the Man in the Middle. Please introduce yourself to our listeners out there of this podcast. Okay, well, uh, again, I'm not a politician. I don't know much about that. All I am is an old soldier, 60 years old, born in an Army hospital on an Army base, Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And like my father, I then went into the military, served active duty for 22 years. Uh, In those 22 years, I physically relocated or changed my physical address 20 times in 22 years. I had the fortune or misfortune, depending on how you look at it, to have uh, served in or been to 39 different countries. And uh, after I retired in 2004, I taught military science for 12 years. Uh, between University of Louisville for 18 months and then about 11 years at MTSU. I uh, quit my job there at MTSU at, uh, in May of 2016 and have basically been engaged in, with voters since then. Yeah, so so what you're trying to do, Steve, is you're trying to get folks to register. You, do, you don't tell them who to vote for, how to vote. You're just trying to get folks to register. Steve, is it fair to say that our most basic freedom and right as Americans that you defended for this country for the vast majority of your life, that the most basic fundamental freedom is the right to vote. It, it is. And, and, and again, having been to 39 different countries, you see a lot of places or I've seen a lot of places where that is not the case. Right. Um, and, and I've seen the comparative goodness and value of American democracy. I know what we have. I know what we can lose relatively easy if we don't protect it and participate in that process. Now, part of the reason I do this is I have my own personal cross to bear in that 
for 13 of those 22 years of my service, I was not physically in this country, not 13 consecutive years, but total. And I never once in those in that time, and that would have been six, maybe seven elections. I never once uh, did the right thing and got an absentee ballot and voted as I should have. I thought, well, I'm a soldier, not a civilian, not a politician. I do my military mission. I take my orders from my chain of command, not my business. And I was wrong. So what I tell people is, don't be like me. Right. Do the right thing and vote because it is the most important thing you can do. Yes. It's the most, it's the, the, the single greatest act of patriotism that anyone can do in this country is simply to vote. It's, it's, it's free, it's painless, takes maybe 15 minutes, and you walk away feeling good and with a sticker in your hand. That's right. That's right. And at least you've contributed to democracy, whether your candidate wins or not. You've participated in democracy, which is your point, Steve. I mean, let's be honest, up until 200, 250 years ago, this concept was uh, not around for the first 2,000 years of humanity. Only until about 200 years ago did human beings start actually voting their leaders in, and it started right here. Right. And my thing is, I'm, I'm nonpartisan because I know that if that doesn't mean I don't have opinions about sure. politicians, but I am politically nonpartisan. I voted both ways and will likely continue to do so. I, th- I think that it's important because I know that if everyone who's eligible to register does so and votes, we'll have a more representative democracy in the Constitution, American democracy, the rule of law, the American way of life will be protected regardless of who's elected. Yes, that's a great point. You know, Steve, the state of Tennessee used to rank in the top 10 in the nation less than 20 years ago in voter participation. Now the state of Tennessee is ranked 48th, 49th. We have some of the least amount of voter participation of any state in the union. Uh, is there anything you can identify that why the state of Tennessee has lost so many people willing to vote? What can we do to get more citizens, qualified citizens, to the polls? What I say to people is, I use, I could say. I could, I could use this story and I could talk about an elephant or I could pa- talk about a donkey, but I'll just, I'll just mention a horse. Okay. <laughs> in, order, in order for a horse to win a race, it has to have four strong legs, and the absence or weakness of any one of those legs is going to ensure its failure in winning that race. And those are registration, education, motivation, and facilitation. Registration's the easiest part. It's filling out a, p- a paper voter registration form or doing it online. Too easy. Anybody can do that. Okay. The more difficult parts, they're all important. The most difficult, more difficult parts are motivating people to register and vote, educating them on the process, the candidates, the issues, and then facilitating that vote or in political speak, candidates, campaign speak, get out the vote. Okay. Now, in answer to your question, some people will say, well, Tennessee's a red state. Well, it, 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 it fluctuates. Sometimes Correct. it's red, sometimes it's blue. Correct. Okay? When someone says to me it's a red state, I say, well, no, Tennessee's not a red state or a blue state. In my personal opinion, it's a state of apathy. Mm-hmm. And, and they'll say, well, why is that? Well, why? Because 
Some people will say it's red. It's going to stay red. No point in voting. Some people will say, um, well, my vote doesn't count. Some people will say um, that it's too hard to vote or it's too hard to register. Okay. So what I'm saying is there's some apathy here. There's a degree of ignorance, not necessarily willful ignorance, just people don't know what they need to know. Right. And then, and then there are, because like you said, 48 out of 50 states. In 2016, the voter turned, we were, we were 48, and the only two states that did worse were West Virginia at 49 and Hawaii, surprisingly, at 50. Also in 2016, Tennessee was rated as the third most difficult state in which to register and vote because of confusing and somewhat cumbersome laws related to voter registration and voting itself. So that's part of it. Apathy, uh, unintended, not willful ignorance, and and uh, I won't say suppression. I'll just say a, a, a confusing and somewhat cumbersome voter registration and voting system here in Tennessee. Wow, that's those are great points. I, you know, uh, for the first 40 years of my life as a native Tennessee, and this was a blue state, and for the last 10 years, it's been a red state. It was really became mixed and moderate around the uh, early 2000s. You had people like Howard Baker, Fred Thompson. You had the occasional Republican, Lamar Alexander. When Lamar Alexander became the Republican governor of Tennessee in 1980, it was a really big deal because there were no Republicans in Tennessee or very few. And uh, so, I, so I really get your point about that. Let me ask this, and, and of course, you, you say suppression or, or not necessarily suppression or a combination of apathy and the existing voting laws. One of the biggest hangups that a lot of people have right now is about voter ID and voter ID laws. And so, Steve, I want to get your take on that. I'm okay with voter ID laws. That may shock some of my liberal friends. But here's the thing. I want to compromise, I want if I'm okay with voter ID laws if the state of Tennessee will put a Department of Motor Vehicle in all 95 counties, which they refuse to do. The reason why is because it costs so much money. But we shouldn't ask people to drive 80 miles to get a driver's license and then require them to vote in their local elections if there is no facility or enabler there in their county to get them that voter ID. So let's talk talk about your thoughts on voter ID law, Steve. Okay. The state of Tennessee only allows six forms of ID at the poll or in the case of Rutherford County, which is the only county that has vote centers, only six forms of ID. Those are the Tennessee driver's license with a photo. Right. And then you'd have to get it at one of the, it's, it's, it's like 37, they're like 37, I believe, full service um, uh, driver service centers in, in all 90, the total of 95 counties across Tennessee. Only 37 full service. I believe that's the right number. Okay, so, so the Tennessee driver's license with a photo, and that is what many people think is the only place that you can register to vote, by the way. Right. So that so the driver's license or a U.S. passport or a U.S. military photo ID or and this one kind of this one kind of surprises me. A Tennessee handgun carry permit with photo. And I'll mention that here in a second. Okay. 
In the last two are a photo ID issued by the federal or Tennessee state government and a photo ID issued by the Tennessee Department of Safety and Homeland Security. The reason I say the Tennessee handgun carry permit with photo is again, if you recall earlier, I taught at MTSU for 11 years. Right. There are 21,000 students that they go to MTSU or at least did before COVID-19 caused everybody to, to go back to where they came from. Right. A, a student ID card cannot be used as your voter ID at the polls, but a Tennessee handgun carry permit can. And that is, in my personal opinion, my nonpartisan opinion, but my opinion as an American and a veteran, that's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it, 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 whatever the institution is, right, if that institution issues that and it's part, if they receive state money from the state of Tennessee, Right. Then, yeah, then it should be a valid uh, way to identify yourself. I agree completely. Steve, uh, you, you talked about motivation, motivating people to the polls. And I can say this because I've been a candidate before, so I'm just going to say this. Steve, are, are, are we just putting up some really bad candidates? Is that why people aren't motivated to show up? Do you do you think that might play a role in this? And I know I'm asking you to don't you don't have to be specific here, but but let's be honest. We have there are some really good candidates and some really bad candidates. Steve, do you think that hurts the voters' motivation? It it might, but but this is what I'll say as well. And I had the same discussion with somebody out by the Stones River this morning. Yeah. Um, there, there are no perfect people. Agreed. We don't have a perfect, we don't have a perfect electoral system or registration system. There aren't any perfect candidates or, or perfect voters. So what I'll say is every candidate is flawed. Yes. And, and I, and, and again, I don't like politics. I don't like politicians and I don't like political parties. I really sure. don't. Sure. Forgive me forgive me for the fact well, that you are a former no, politician. Most people don't. It's just right. human nature. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I'll say is I don't think it's that much related to whether this person is quote a good okay. or a bad candidate. Okay. Because because what I tell people and I told this guy today is look, I don't care who you vote for. But you need to vote. And the reason is because the more people register and vote, the more representative a democracy will have. And then whoever gets elected, I'm fine with that, even if I didn't like them in the first place. But the point here is this. Vote for the person you think will do, one, either the best job for the country or, two, the least damage to the country. Yeah. Yeah, that second one is really the one that scares me. I'll tell you, Steve, I just like to vote for competency now. I, I, I want people that are competent regardless of political party, but competency is such a big issue. I mean, we, we have folks that are talking about doing things that, that they don't even understand the political process of how it would be done. Let me give you an example. You hear a lot of talk out there about changing the electoral college. You just spoke about... A representative government. And a very strong case can be made that currently 
uh, Southern California that has, you know, 100,000 people per square mile and rural Tennessee that has two people per square mile, that they have approximately the same representation in Washington, D.C. And we know that that's obviously not the case. However, folks have called uh, in order to increase the number of congressmen, increase the number of uh, not of senators, but of congressmen and possibly change the electoral colleges a lot of the talk that I hear but Steve they don't understand what it would take to change the electoral college can you talk about that how hard would it be to get three-fifths of the of the uh, current 50 states to agree to a constitutional convention it would be virtually impossible yeah, and again can't. I go back to politics and politicians because yeah. when when you have political parties again you can call them Parties, you can call them clubs, you can call them gangs, cliques, you can call them fraternities, you can call them whatever you want. Right. But 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 when you have two groups, you're going to have a competition, and you're going to want one side. Once each side wants to win, and they want to win it all, and they don't want right. to compromise or give up anything. Right. So so like right now, we can't even figure out. We can't even figure out how to, or if we're going to extend, if the federal government's going to extend unemployment benefits whether it's going to be $600 or $200 or nothing. And that's just, that's simple. And that's unemployment benefits, not a, con, not a, a, a having a, uh, you know, trying to decide on the electoral college. Yeah. That's, we we, that's, we can't get two states to agree on whether or not masks are effective in a pandemic. Right. 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 Yeah. Or, or even, or even within the state, whether you can, you know, you know, the, the, the Nashville may be doing one thing and the state may be doing something else. So it's really just entertainment. When folks are talking about things like changing the Electoral College, yes, there is a process in place to do that that already exists. But the reality of bringing that many people together, uh, and Steve, that, that the reason why I'm bringing this up is because one of the things that struck me about you is you want to see unity in this country again. Back to your point about no perfect candidate. Donald Trump, certainly not a perfect candidate. Joe Biden, certainly not a perfect candidate. Everyone has their flaws that can be easily pointed out, especially in the society we live in today. But I think, Steve, the thing that you said that struck me the most, that stuck with me the most, is how you want us to all be Americans again. Can you talk about the division in this country? Well... The, the two most important words, and this is the same thing I stress with my teenager, the two most important words in my vocabulary, and maybe it took me a few decades to figure this out, were are, are selflessness mm-hmm. and balance. Yes. If we focus on ourselves, if we focus on only our individual rights and not necessarily the collective rights, and I'm not saying individual rights aren't important. I'm just saying that they're not always more important than collective rights. Right. So, so if it's all about me, then, then we're going to have constant divisiveness. Yes. And if we don't have some sort of balance, because most things aren't black and white, right. most things are gray. Right. Most things require compromise. Mm-hmm. So if we're able to compromise and if we're able to, uh, uh, to to be more selfless, then we'll have less divisiveness, and and that's what I think our problem is: is that we 
we and 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 maybe I would have been a selfish person if I weren't in the military, where you you, you have to rely on others and you have to uh, put yourself uh, on the same level as others. Right. And and in in fact, when you're in a leadership position, you have to realize that you serve the organization and those in the organization. You serve that unit, okay? Mm -hmm. You work for them. As a leader, you work for the unit. As a leader, you work for your constituents. As a president, you work for the country, okay? Yeah. That's selflessness. And if we don't have that, and maybe we don't have enough of that, and if we don't have the balance and are able to compromise, then we will continue with the challenges that we have now. Yeah, that's that's correct. You know, democracy, the republic that we're in, it's messy business. It always has been, especially up in Washington, D.C. But the one thing that you could always count on was the American people getting behind their leaders ultimately and the decisions that were made. How did we win the World War II? How did we, uh, you know, survive the Civil War and come out as a nation intact? And so a lot of us are so very concerned about the youth. It's the whole point of this podcast, Steve. That's why we call it the man in the middle. And right now, we see both parties competing for who? The people in the middle, which is another uh, group that you often talk about, Steve, about how moderates I've heard you talk about how moderates typically decide elections. Would do you agree with that? Absolutely, because because either end, and you can look at the Republicans and say Tea Party. You can look at the, the Democrats and say liberals. Those are those are at the ends, right? And they're also minorities. Yes. And 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 again, it goes back to the black and white. Most things are gray, and most of those of those gray things are in the middle. Right. And that's what we have to do is focus on what's best for the most, for the middle. I'm not saying exclude the, the rights of, of, of anybody, but I'm of saying, not. you know, we have to focus on on the 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 country as a whole. Right. Did you see Bernie Sanders speech last night? I'm just curious. I, I only heard a part of it. Okay. I didn't actually see any of it. I, Bernie's speech last night was an example of what you're talking about, about patriotism. And basically he said to the woke that if you're more woke than me, you know, you're, you're not a Democrat. You know, um, he was telling his supporters to vote for Joe Biden in the general election, mm-hmm. pleading with them to vote for Joe Biden, telling them that our democracy was at stake and that, Everything that they desire further than that wouldn't matter if we don't have a democracy anymore. Steve, is our democracy at stake in this election? That's a tough one. Well, if you are here, here now, now I'll I'll say most things are in the middle. Most things are gray. Right. Here are two. Here are two extremes. Sure. Some Trump supporters will say if Biden wins, the country will be socialist and the middle class will be gone. They sure do. Oh, and some, also that BLM's going to invade the suburbs. Right. right. And then some, mm-hmm. some Biden supporters will say if Trump wins, it'll be an autocracy right. or a dictatorship. Right. So, so that's, that's what we have to look at. Right. And so, so your question again, what, were your, what was your question? Well, I'm, I'm saying is democracy literally at stake in this election, depending on who wins? Ab- absolutely. Because, like I, like I just said, uh, I don't think it's just democracy. Right. 
I think it's I think it's these four things that are at stake, depending on who wins and depending who you favor. I think that the United States Constitution, uh, American democracy, the rule of law, and the and the very American way of life, all four are at risk if depending on who wins this election. That's why I say, look, I'm passionate about this. And I view this as a matter of life and death because it really is. Yes. It's not like Biden wins. Oh, my God, we got we have to put up with with some senile guy for four years or Trump wins. And oh, my God, we have to, you know, put up with with, you know, somebody tweeting, you know, all kinds of things for the next four years. Right. Okay. it's this this really is a matter of life and death. And you can you can view that. I mean, you can say, you can say, well, it, it's a matter of life and death if you, if you, uh, you can say, all right, let you take two issues. If you're pro-choice or pro-life, if you're pro-gun or pro-gun control, okay, those sure. are both a matter of life and death. Right. Right. Okay. If you're if you're if you're for uh, protecting the environment or uh, for uh, using the environment, those are those. That's that's also about life and death. That's a great point. If you're a pro pandemic or if you're against the pandemic, I would no, say that's so, definitely so it, life this, or death. This yeah. election, I tell people, I say, look, I'm 60 years old. I'm usually I'm talking to somebody younger than me, right? Because people my age and older, they are already registered and they vote. They do. People younger than me sometimes don't, and I'll say, look. I'm 60 years old. I'm more than halfway to the grave. You're not even close. So think about it, okay? You need you need to you're going to have to live longer with the consequences of your vote or not voting than I will. Okay? So you right. need to make sure you vote and you need to make sure it counts. Yes. Okay? Yes. So yeah, it, it's funny because we do see a lot of young people uh, that have been activated, especially in the last six months, that are really showing out right now. But uh, I tell, I, I really appreciate their enthusiasm. I'm glad that they're involved, especially the under 30 crowd. However, Steve, I tell them the truth that until you start voting in numbers, no one's going to take you seriously. If these uh, folks under 30 would all show up, and start voting, people would start taking them seriously. They would start courting their votes, and they could start changing the country in the direction that they want it to go. So, Steve, I know that you have been to a lot of events, and I I hope uh, every time I see you, you're always distancing, you have your mask, you're always staying safe. Have you noticed any sort of – has there been an uptick in attendance to events uh, this cycle, are you seeing more people, even though there's a pandemic in place, even though there are all of these rules? What's been your perception of the um, energy or the uh, the buzz around campaigns, so to speak? Are you seeing any of that going on out there? It kind of depends on the event uh-huh. um, and the location and the, the, the demography. Um, there's... There's, there's energy, there's ideology, uh, but those have to be translated into viable action. And that viable yes. action is voting. Yes. Like I say to people, I say, look, protesting, which is fine, 
Mm-hmm. Pro- as long as it's nonviolent, protesting makes a point, but voting makes a difference. Or right. you could say, or you could say, legislation makes a difference. Yes. And 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 those legislators are elected. Yes. So so that's what I say is there there is energy. There's ideology. Right. But it has to translate into voting. And I don't care, again, I don't care who they vote for because right. if everybody votes, it'll be representative. Everybody wins. about the right. young people. Yes. The young people in 2016, only 31% of 17 to 24, 18 to 24 year olds, rather, in the state of Tennessee voted. Right. That's 2016. In 2018, and partly due to the fact that in 2017, the state of Tennessee went to online voter registration. I believe that had something to do with it. Mm-hmm. The number was exactly the same. 31% in 2018 of 18 to 24-year-olds voted. Now, that was an increase because right. midterm elections are going to have lesser turnout. Sure. But still, 31%, that's unacceptable. It, it, I know. It really is. Now, now, now I've said, and, and of course, you being a veteran and uh, you know, thank you for your service. The only thing that really motivates the last time young people were really motivated to get out was the Vietnam War. Is that correct? I mean, if they're going to start shipping young people off to die, then they tend to get more involved. But anyway, I hope that more young folks will get involved. Steve, what do you tell these young people, uh, or, or what's your message in general? I know you've talked about that. You've got a truck with all of these uh, uh, great sayings on the side, encouraging people to vote. Um, we saw in this last primary here in Tennessee, we saw actually numbers lower than the than the uh, midterm on the Democrat side. We saw them a little bit up on the Republican side uh, because of the Sethy Haggerty race. Uh, but uh, but to your point. Will you make a prediction? Where are we going to be this November? Are we going to be up 10% in voting participation, 15%? You would think that given the climate that we live in right now, that it is conducive to a lot of people showing up. What do you think? Is it going to happen in Tennessee this November? Well, I think that there will be an increase mm-hmm. because it's a presidential year. Right. Um and because we have a Senate seat that's open. Correct. Uh, but, again, those three things are going to weigh heavily on it. Some apathy, mm-hmm. some, some ignorance, just not knowing what, right. what people need to know. Right. And, and, and the continued uh, uh, challenges of, of registering and voting in this state. Now, what you said is, what do I tell people? Yeah. Okay, so there are certain things that someone will always certain. There are about ten different things that reasons a person will give for why they're not going to vote. Okay, and here's one. Someone will say, "Well, what's the point? I'm only one person." Now, I react a little bit differently depending on who I'm talking to, who's standing in front of me. Okay, but but in general, I'll say something like this: Your vote isn't pointless; it's priceless. I'm a sixty-year-old white guy. Maybe I'm a racist. Maybe I hate immigrants and anyone LGBT. Maybe I believe that my right to bear arms is more important than your right to attend school or church safely. Maybe I feel that women should be paid only 80% of a man's salary because that's what it is in this country right now. Uh, Or that they should have no choice when it comes to their own bodies. 
well, I'm going to vote and I'm going to vote for someone who supports my values, not necessarily yours. So if you oppose any of those things I've said, then you need to vote to cancel mine out. If you agree with all of those things I said, then vote with me. Right. Okay. Now, I'm none of those things. I'm just using that as an example. But that's one thing I say to people, sort of a shock and awe kind of thing. Right. You know, if I'm talking to some woman and say some of those things, you know, they'll they'll look at me in shock like, I can't believe you said that. Right. Right. But But that's the reality. That's what they're up against. Right. I mean, for both sides. Right. So. Right. mm -hmm. And and if it says, uh, you know, someone might say, well, I don't do politics. It doesn't affect me. And that's particularly wow. a young person that will yeah. say that. And I'll say, okay, politicians make the rules and laws we live by every day. Mm-hmm. Do you care about property sales, gas, and income taxes, college tuition, and student loans? Do you care about your health care, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and prescription drug prices? Do you care about the minimum wage, a living wage, unemployment benefits, or equal pay for equal work? Are you pro-life or pro-choice? Do you have a tough-on-crime mindset, or are you concerned about police overreach? Are you for common-sense gun control or for gun rights? Do you care about clean air, water, terrible traffic, and the potholes in your street? What about selective service and the draft? If you care about any of these issues, you need to vote, because if you don't do politics, politics will do you. That's right. Uh, yeah, that you're exactly right. That's what I, I said. You may not care about politics. That's what I used to tell about people. You may not care about politics, but trust me, politics cares about you and is going to impact your life in some way in the future. Steve, how can folks get in touch with you? How can folks find out more information, uh, volunteer to help you? Um, you know, I'm, I, you may not even want that, but, but t- tell folks how they can get in touch with you and how you can help them. And and if you if and listen to our listeners out there, if you've got an event coming up and you'd like for Steve to come to help you get voters registered, to help people get to the polls, let us know. Shoot me an email to Man in the Middle uh, Podcast Gmail. Shoot Steve. I'm sure Steve will give his information. We will get Steve in touch with you, and he can come out to your event and help get people your church, your family reunion. I realize it's a pandemic. And things are so much different. But, Steve, give folks your information. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm sort of a, uh, uh, a dinosaur in a sense. So I, I'm not on social media. Okay. But my, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. My, <laughs> my, my phone number is 615-796-9984. Again, 615-796-9984. And my email address is Steve Darty. Last name spelled D-A-U-G-H-E-R-T-Y at yahoo.com. But what I'll say is, here's, here's my, main, my main takeaways. Here's what I think people need to, to take from me. Okay. okay. People need to register, but then they need to confirm their registration because over 14,000 people have had their voter registrations purged since... 2016, over 14,000, and they won't know it till they go to the polls. So register, confirm your registration, okay? Don't let COVID stand in your way. What I say is don't be scared, be prepared, wear a mask, and go vote in person, not absentee. If you vote absentee, request your ballot no later than October 5th, which is the deadline to register to vote, because it's going to take the Postal Service three weeks to turn it around, okay, to get it from you to the election commission, from the election commission to you and to you for you to get that ballot back to the election commission by 7 p.m. 
uh, on November 3rd. So that's what I say. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, well, great, Steve. Well, um, we, we didn't even touch on the post office. By the way, the Postmaster General has rescinded all of these new rules that he put into place. Obviously, I think over 12 states had filed lawsuits against him now uh, to stop uh, what was going on with the post office. But, Steve, that's great information. Thank you so much. Steve Darty joining yeah. us. Thank you. I got it that time. Thank you so much. Thank you, Steve, for joining the Man in the Middle podcast. I'm Stephen Reynolds. I'll see you next week.